0: Hello readers, welcome to 20 Questions with Your Favorite Author, where we ask authors important questions like, why would you agree to be on this podcast? I'm Kelly Link Colby, Editorial Director at Curse Ship Publishing. For Episode 8, we're featuring sci-fi writer Adam Gaffin. Adam Gaffin is in no particular order a father, husband, author, and chef. He was born in Maine and lived there most of his adult life before moving to Colorado with his wife, five dogs, and five cats. He counts Robert Heinlein among his greatest writing influences He's proud to be a member of the Heinlein Society. Other influences include David Weber, John Ringo, Douglas Adams, and David Westlake's Dortmunder books. He is currently working on the fourth in the increasingly popular Cassidy Chronicles and hopes to have it released this spring. Fans are welcome to contact him through Facebook or Instagram where he doesn't hide behind an alias. So it's adam.gavin on Facebook and adam.gavin uh, in, on Instagram. So welcome, welcome, Adam. If he's not your favorite before, he will be after.
1: Thrilled to be here tonight.
0: Yay, so good to see you. Um, so we have lots of very important questions today. I hope you did your research.
1: Wait, research?
0: Yeah, you, you got the brief I sent you, right?
1: Um, I have
0: five dogs, I ate it. <laughs> Hey, you know, that's one way. That's one way to keep track of that. No homework. We're right. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Yep. Uh, That's funny. Yeah, but five dogs and five cats. You balanced. I think that's very clever.
1: Um, It wasn't intentional. Um, (laughs) at, At one point, I think we were up to 13 cats, but that didn't last very long. That's way over critical mass. So.
0: Yeah, we have two cats, and they like to try to kill each other. I don't know what we would do with 13
1: yeah no it it, it it wasn't pretty for but they all all the ones that are no longer with us found good homes
0: good so. that's the important part right yes that's what matters well we have some questions for you today and of course i'll pull stuff out of the chat so chat if you have any questions go ahead and put them down um actually we have one right now and okay. we have um david wants to know because dave is from maine oh So he wants to know that, do you drink Moxie? Um,
1: Not usually. Once in a great while, I'll have a can of it, just to remind myself why I don't usually drink it.
0: (laughs) Okay, so from all of us not from Maine, what's Moxie?
1: Uh, Oh, boy. Uh, Think of the... Think of the child of coca-cola and cough syrup do i have to no you don't have to okay good thanks um but there's a town in maine uh is it lisbon falls dave can probably check me on it uh i think it's lisbon falls where there's a moxie parade and weekend every year which is it just celebrates moxie
0: how funny things you learn man the things you learn well let's see we have more questions for you just as important as moxie so my first one is the question that readers tend to ask writers so the very first one is always where do you get your ideas
1: um well for the people who haven't read my books uh the the two main characters cass and ken uh ayanna cassidy and kendra cassidy um are very determined women and when i it took about a month off when we moved from Maine to Colorado just because it took that long and you know things were packed up. I took about a month off, and by the end of that month, they were yelling at me to get back to writing because you haven't finished this part of the story. So uh, when I finished that book, uh, at the end of November, I told my wife, I'm gonna you know, I'm not gonna write anything in December. You know, I I am just gonna market the book. By the end of de- December I was about fifty thousand words into the next book. So Nice. Yeah, yeah. They they are two very determined women and they just they do not let me not write their stories.
0: <laughs> uh, well, you know, sometimes women are like that. <laughs> Let's see, I saw that you were a Dragon Award nominee. Congratulations. Dragon Con is our favorite event. So this is a family tradition. We love this place. Moms always go. My mom's the one who convinced me to go to begin with. We love that place. So how did you manage to wrangle one of those? Because I'm envious. I want to know how this happens.
1: Um, part, of it is, part of it is simply getting somebody to nominate you, which is easy enough. Anybody can nominate a writer. That's easy. And then getting enough people to say, yes, this person ought to make it through the nomination process onto the ballot. So that gets to mobilizing fans and saying, okay, go bug them.
0: Um, so you so just yeah, gotta I, get that nomination because it can't be you, right? You can't nominate your own.
1: Uh, you can, but it's kind of dirty pool. Mm. Yeah. So and Just we,
0: asking for a friend. <clears throat>
1: yeah, it just um, you know, have Kevin on that, <laughs> yeah. That's totally fair, right? Totally fair. Absol- absolutely. Totally above board. <laughs> and we love Dragon Con too. We went there four years in a row. We went 13 through 16. And hey. just, we, we loved it. Um, but by 16, it just got it was starting to get a little bit too crowded. Mm. You know, that year, I think we're DragonCon was up to seventy-seven thousand people, mm-hmm. and it felt like it. So, the next year it was, well, do we do this or do we that? And we haven't gone back since. Um, obviously, nobody went anywhere this year. Right. Um, we hope. Yeah. Um, we'd love to get back again.
0: Mm-hmm. So. You just have to know all the secret routes. Like I don't like the big crowds either. So we know the secret routes to get wherever you need to go.
1: Oh, it's not the getting from point A to point B because I, you know, I'm fairly decent with directions, but you know, and I, you know, the go over here and turn left when you think you ought to turn right because that way is better. Yeah, no, that, that's fine. It's just the cues, the massive throngs of cues, because sooner or later you get to your destination along with three thousand other people. That's in a room. Yeah, the dropped. elevators
0: are a ride all into themselves. It is true.
1: Oh, yeah. We don't yeah, we don't do elevators. We don't even stay in downtown Atlanta. We usually stay out at the airport. Oh wow. We'll stay out at the airport and we take the subway in.
0: Yeah. Because it drops Cape you Marta. off right. Yep.
1: Mm-hmm. Drops you off right at Peachtree and
0: oh mm-hmm. look, there
1: we are, right in the middle of things.
0: But it's it's quiet. You don't have to <laughs> You, know, you, you don't, don't have, to have to fight for an elevator. I would know what that's like.
1: Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, speaking as an independent author, you know, it's a lot easier to spend 75 bucks a night on a hotel room than 750.
0: Oh, no, we never do that. We get kind con- we have a legacy room. Oh, well, yes. Yeah. Yeah. My, <laughs> my Zepho is magical when it comes to finding ways. And he found a legacy room and we're never letting it go. Good plan. Mhm, mm-hmm. But the elevators are not fun So I'm not sure it's such a good plan <laughs> It's like you have to take everything with you Out of your room because you have no idea When you're going to make it back in there Right But, eh, It's an adventure, we love it Yes Alright, so someone needs to nominate our books Okay, I got it, we're going to make this work So, next question What is your potluck go-to? Oh
1: Um Alright haven't done a lot of potluck lately, I mean, even before this, this year, but um, arancini. What it is, is you make a risotto, mm-hmm. which is a process all unto itself.
0: Love risotto, yep.
1: And then you let it cool down, mm-hmm. and then you take the rice, and you form it into a ball with something in the middle, usually a little piece of cheese. Some people do a shrimp, (laughs) whatever. You can put anything in the middle. Um, Then you form it into a ball and then you coat it with panko crumbs and you pan fry it. It's Sicilian. delicious. Oh, they're fantastic. It's Sicilian street food.
0: Huh. That sounds amazing. I'm going to have to try. We eat a lot of risotto, so I always have leftovers. So that it's one of my favorite dishes to make.
1: Yeah, I, to, uh, I I would usually do the cheese. So you get a nice little chunk of mozzarella in there
0: mm. or any kind
1: that you like. And it, you fry it and it's melty and gooey and you dip it into tomato sauce.
0: Yeah. Yum. So it's like, you know, a mozzarella stick, but with risotto. Yes. Okay. That sounds amazing. I'm totally stealing that. I mean, going to make that probably later this week. There's been a lot more cooking in this house lately. Go figure. Uh, that was a good answer. What was it called again?
1: Arrancini. A-R-R-A-N-C-I-N-I.
0: Huh. I do regular food posts. Don't be surprised if that shows up now, you're gonna see it. Um, let's see, we had another main question. Ooh. Let's see, this one's from Kevin. He's from Florida, so he has a main question for you. He wants to know, have you ever left a frozen deer on your roof?
1: Uh, No, no. But one of our dogs brought back the leg of a deer. We don't know where the rest of the deer is. never did. But he came back with he came back with a leg and he gnawed on that thing for weeks. He was thrilled.
0: He must have been so proud of himself. He was. Absolutely. <laughs> yep. I mean, that could still happen in Colorado, right? I mean, this, this is not a, just a main thing.
1: Oh no, no, we've been told even though we live in a small city. We've been told that the alley behind our house, um, you don't put your trash out the night before because bears regularly walk through the alley.
0: Are you in Colorado or Alaska? I'm confused now. <laughs> uh, yeah, you always had to watch out for bears on garbage day. That's hilarious. Colorado's an interesting place. Let's see. If, let's see, in the Cassidy Chronicles... So that's your amazing series with that gorgeous cover behind you. Uh, You have the U.S. chopped into smaller countries Mm -hmm. along what I have to admit seem like very logical borders, by the way. So I think that totally makes sense. And yet you still have technology advanced through the turmoil. Like we didn't stop and we didn't go backwards. It kept advancing. So how did you manage to balance that?
1: Uh, Well, mostly by skipping over it. Um, (laughs) But... Seriously, technology, the, the breakup of the United States that I posit, and it's mostly outside of the books, it's referenced here and there, uh, especially in the first one, mm-hmm. but it's mostly outside of the books, but the breakup was mostly peaceful. It was, you know, or it, if there was a war, it was very brief, you know, because they just said, fine, go away. We don't want to deal with you anymore. There weren't any protracted wars, but it is a um, it is a known well. It is known to happen that during wars technology advances faster than during times of peace. So if you look back at World War One, World War Two, technology advanced hugely quickly at the beginning of world war ii you had um people flying around in biplanes still by the end of world war ii you had people in jets and that's just Good one point. example
0: mm-hmm. um, Good point. yeah
1: uh, i don't know
0: for me i just think if like the united states went to a big war that it would like go we would slow technology down so i guess that makes sense it, it does advance as long as you have the money behind it
1: Right. And, mm-hmm. and it happened over a period of about the last country to split off, split off uh, in about 2090, 2092, somewhere around there. So it, it happened over a period of about 70 years. So it didn't happen all at once and not everywhere was involved all at once. So there'd be, there'd be a schism in one section, and the rest of the country would just be going about its business.
0: Well, that makes sense. So they would be able to keep it up.
1: Right. So mm-hmm. because it never happened all at once, mm-hmm. and we're also forgetting you know, that the advances could have come from, and probably did, could have come from Europe and Japan and Asia and Africa and Australia and other places, because they
0: weren't involved in this at all. That's also true. That makes sense. It works for me. Well, it was just very interesting. I liked it. Mm-hmm. So that that was a cool way to look at it. Let's see. If you could spend a weekend with one of your characters, who would it be, and where would you go? I suppose um, the
1: the best. I need to ask you a question. Oh.
0: Do I have to do it now, or? during the time of the books? It's completely up to you. You answer in whatever way is the most entertaining. OK. Uh, in,
1: that, <laughs> in that case, the answer is pretty easy. Uh, I'm going to pitch a lift in the Endeavor, because that's the more advanced starship. Hitch um, a lift in the Endeavor with, well, Kendra doesn't usually, Kendra is the Admiral, but that's not her flagship. So I guess I'd be hanging out well, probably with the XO. That would be Commander Kansas Candace Sensari. Um, She's been with... She's a character who comes in in the first book and gets recruited to do something totally out of her comfort zone in the second book. Mm-hmm. And a very down-to-earth person, but A good person to have at your back when you're 20 light years away
0: from home. (laughs) That would be interesting. Off on a spaceship. I mean, just on a spaceship period would be fun. Let's see. If you could have your dream pet, what would it be? And this could be real or fictional. This is Mm. your dream pet. We're dreaming.
1: Um, probably a manticore and tree cat, um, from the, from David Weber's Honor Harrington books.
0: Manticores freak me out. What do they look like in the David Weber books?
1: Okay. So the tree cats are, they look like a regular cat, but they're about a meter long and they have six, uh, six legs, but two of them. Are actually they call them true hands, and they they function as hands, you know, complete with opposable thumbs. Uh, tree cats are telepathic, and they rank above older dolphins on the sentient scale. So they're smart, very smart.
0: Your dogs wouldn't have a chance. No, no, and they love celery. They love celery. <laughs> Yeah, I love celery. That's hilarious. (laughs) I love writers. They're my favorite. Let's see. Um, If you could, uh, I asked you that one. If you were drafted to go to Mars in one of the first colonies, what would your job be?
1: (laughs) In one of the first colonies. Oh, boy. I know. Um, It's a
0: tough one, right? I like this question. It's brand new. That's a good one. Thank you. We had Sorry. Elon Musk on the mind lately, so I think that's where it came from.
1: Oh.
0: Um,
1: in terms of, uh, you know, a, a first or second wave colonist, I'm not sure that I have a lot of the qualifications to be in that cohort. Um, that being said, I, I'm I'm not bad with technology, and I can certainly you know, mo- you know monitor Bank of Idiot lights to make sure that they stay green and don't turn red. Uh,
0: <laughs> hey, that's an important job. Somebody has to do it.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. So, uh, assuming yeah, you know, in this I again first wave, no second wave when they start getting a little bit less specialized and a little bit more generalized, I could probably find something to do um you know my background is in management so you know i can organize things well enough you know and that would probably be a useful skill but i think people are going to be more worried about surviving rather than who's taking you know know,
0: being managed at the beginning Uh yeah i mean who's going to steal office supplies where are you going to go with them (laughs) seriously they're pretty safe let's see the uh yeah safe had the same thought i did because we were both nuclear engineers in the navy so we were like oh okay so you you just want to be a reactor operator huh because that's what they do right (laughs) (laughs) i mean if homer simpson can do it we can all do it so yeah kevin picked up on the homer simpson too he wants to know if donuts were involved (laughs) i mean if there's not donuts on mars why are we bothering well we'll have to bring them and make them and they'll be delicious
1: yes duncan will probably have a franchise there in the first wave that's
0: right (laughs) i know there'll be a war i don't know We're, we're in texas now shipley's might have to fight with them let's see um kevin wants to know does adam have any plans to spend a weekend at the star wars galactic star cruiser resort at disney world he says it's meant to be like an outer space cruise ship experience Uh, we, we were at
1: Disney, uh, a year and a half before it opened, a year and a half before that part opened. So it was, uh, about this time in 18 and we heard all about it and we were like, okay, we got to come back here. So yes, absolutely. It's in the plans to go back and spend time there at some point.
0: You know, when we can do these things again,
1: when we can do these things and see one of the, Arnie, knock it off. Sorry, one of the cats is clawing at the uh, door because I'm not paying attention to him.
0: The cat's like, why am I not the star? What are you doing in there?
1: Yes. Um, <laughs> see, this is one of the things that they don't tell you about having pets. Um, when we moved from Maine to Colorado, we left our house sitter behind. We had this woman, you know, and her husband, and, you know, I've known him for five years, six years now. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were good friends, and when we would go on vacation, we'd just say, hey, can you come and, you know, take care of the dogs? These animals take care, for us. Uh-huh. Yeah, take yep. care of the animals. And she'd just move in for the time that we were away, and she loved taking care of all the dogs and cats.
0: We don't have that here yet. And, I'm telling you, find a teenager. That's what we use. They work great. Uh, while boarding these
1: animals, we, because we had to do that when we moved, Mm -hmm. Because they got driven across the country. And then they spent 10 days in a pet hotel in Albuquerque before getting driven here. Boarding 10 animals for any period of time is not cheap.
0: It sounds like a mortgage payment to me.
1: Um, Given what we're paying for this place, it was... Three... Three mortgage payments? Ouch.
0: <sighs> well, those dogs and cats must know they're loved. Oh, absolutely. Yes, they know that. Mm-hmm.
1: Which is why he's saying, why aren't, you, why aren't you giving me fuss? You love me, right?
0: <laughs> I want you to know my mother, who's also a huge dog lover and cat lover, and uh, she's very careful about who takes care of her animals, and she was wondering if you could name them all.
1: Of course. Uh, the squeaking one is Arnie short for Arnold, Schwartz, and Kitty. Uh, there's, mm-hmm, there's Bruno, Clara, Theo, Molly. Theo and Molly are twins. Um, and those are the five cats.
0: Is Clara from Doctor Who? Yes.
1: Yes. And then the dogs, we have George, Charlie, who is a female. Um, we have Daisy. Is that
0: from Supernatural?
1: Nope. nope. My daughter watched Supernatural through the whole run I never watched a single episode Uh, just never got into it Um, I haven't watched a single
0: episode either I've watched all of them many many times (laughs) (laughs) so is (laughs) she Daisy
1: who is the only animal who has a dog like you know an animal like name (laughs) Uh, Onyx and finally Mazikeen Ooh, you got fancy in the last one
0: Yes. Nice. That's yeah, awesome. Named, see?
1: He can name them the, all. She's named after the demon from Lucifer.
0: I was going to say, is that Lucifer? That was our next question. <laughs> see, dorks do rule, Jenny. Did you hear that? We're total dorks. See, we got it all down. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I knew your references. I get it. Um, hey, dorks are the only ones with these creative minds who make these awesome stories. That's what this is. Let's see. So, what do you hope readers get from your work
1: each book is a little bit different obviously Mm -hmm. Um, the first one is really an introduction to their world and it's very fast-paced but i throw a ton of pop culture references in there it's it's virtually an homage to science fiction writers and television shows So I I hope with the first one, they just, they enjoy the ride because it's supposed to be a wild ride. (laughs) The second one is more serious. uh, But what I've done with Kendra in the first book, and I did not know this when I started writing it. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, When I started, when I wrote the first one, I gave Kendra an obsession. Okay, she wants me to call it a hobby.
0: (laughs) She's yelling at you right now? Yes.
1: um, (laughs) Of late 20th century and early 21st century television and movies. Nice. She grew up watching the stuff that we're watching now. (laughs) So that has been a huge influence on her. So in the second book, She's come into a situation where she can actually start living out some of these ideals that she's picked up from television shows, most notably uh, the one created by Gene Roddenberry, Star Trek. Hi.
0: Yes. You can say Star Trek.
1: It's OK. OK. Um, so she has bought into the ideals.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so she is trying to create that in her time.
0: Hence the ship Endeavor, is that where that comes from?
1: Uh, Endeavor and her first ship, so at the end of the first book, she finds out that the trust that she is inheriting, uh, among other things, is building a work ship, a warp capable starship, which at the time was named the Phoenix. <laughs> and she says, no. As of right now, that changes. It's the Enterprise. <laughs> So she renames. The I ship. said so. Yes, yes.
0: She's she's going. My money, my trust. You're <laughs> renaming it. It's only fair. Yeah. I mean, I support her one hundred percent. So, but she
1: buys into the ideals, and so the second one is the second book is about her trying to create the you know a situation where these ideals can become reality for her and for you know the people around her. Uh, at the same time, she's growing up. you know she's being forced to take on a leadership role, you know not just taking care of herself and her wife, but she is taking she's got now thousands of people who are looking to her for what do I do next? And she's got to face up to, okay, what do I do? Mm-hmm. Yeah, how do I handle this? Mm-hmm. Um, and the third book, it's it's also serious. She's still trying to you know, realize these ideals and the opposition is getting more and more uh, devious. Um, they're trying to they're trying to dig up her past to destroy her future.
0: Well that's not fair.
1: No. And so part of it is, you know, a question of what makes a person human. Mm-hmm. Which is really
0: what all sci-fi is about, isn't it? It's yeah. about the human experience. So that's, that's the third one in a, you know, in a nutshell. As I'm excellent, about. excellent. Um, and you've got at least four, are there more than four do you think in this series? Or do you think four finishes it up? Oh
1: no, no! There's going to be at least five, possibly six, or probably six, maybe more than that. It depends on where it depends on where the focus is. Um, I, as a model, I'm I'm kind of looking at Eric Flint and his 1632 series because mm-hmm. you have the one primary track, and then you have a whole bunch of branching tracks so I think the primary track will probably end after five or six books but there's enough in there and there are enough characters in there so that it can branch out and go a whole
0: bunch of different directions can continue to explore this world yep but we'll find out let's see Dave has a question for you he wants to um, know he said that the Cassidy Chronicles are also an audio yeah. So can you talk about how far in advance of the release you started working on that? Uh, um well the Cassidy Chronicles
1: um audiobook, I didn't let's see, when did I finished that one in May and started looking for somebody to do an audio book. Hired her in June, and then it was. When was it? It was beginning of August that it was finished recording because it's, it's a big book. It's 100 112,000 words, and so it was twelve hours of audio, twelve plus. And, you know, that just takes time. To record and re-record and balance and get everything right because Audible is very picky.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, everything has to be dead on. As well, they should be. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So, and and it took them a month to. No, it took them over a month to uh, approve it for release. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't until mid September. So it was a. About a three-month process, three-and-a-half-month process. Um, the second book has been finished, and Audible has it. And hope, I hope to hear from them in the next couple of weeks that it's been approved for, yeah, been approved for release.
0: Well, they were taking forever to approve, so hopefully they've worked that out.
1: Oh, so that's still over a month.
0: it's way too long like the first book it took like just a few weeks and then the second book it took like two and a half months for them to approve i'm like come on people but it is what it is Mm -hmm. let's see we we have to we have a favorite question around here so i need to know what is your favorite flavor of ice cream peppermint peppermint like just peppermint like 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 uh... candy cane peppermint or like
1: particularly know there were different flavors of peppermint. But, well, because um, I'm always
0: thinking of like the mint chocolate chip one.
1: No, 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 so no.
0: So you do no. mean like candy cane peppermint, like peppermint.
1: Yeah, candy cane nice. peppermint. And oh, our first uh,
0: peppermint. i to have to write that one down.
1: i never... The, the best hot fudge Sunday I've ever had is hot fudge on peppermint.
0: <laughs> that actually sounds like Christmas to me. Because, you know, in Houston, in Christmas, it's warm. So I can right. still eat ice cream. Let's see. You mean you mean it has to be warm
1: to eat ice cream?
0: I thought it did, but apparently it doesn't. Because I have been corrected by Dave in Maine. He's like, yeah, we eat ice yeah. cream. I'm like, but it's too cold. <laughs> but then again, I'm from Chicago, and I remember we used to eat ice cream up there. Well, we used to have Dairy Queen. That counted as ice cream. Uh, yeah. Let's see. Um. What project that's in progress or not started are you most excited about?
1: It's always the one I'm working on now. Um, Nice. So it's right now it's the fourth book in the Cassidy series. I just, today, each of these volumes is divided into three books, three parts. Mm -hmm. Um, So just today, I started the third book in the fourth volume. So... I'm on the home stretch. I know Yay. where this one is. I know where this one is going to end. And um, yeah, sorry, Kevin, different Kevin. Um, <laughs> this one's going to end on a cliffhanger too. It's not going to be resolved.
0: Actually, I had a question about that. Cause I see that you like to end your books on cliffhangers and that's pretty controversial. So I'm wondering why do you decide to use that technique?
1: Because if I didn't end it on a cliffhanger, well, the first book, you know, each book would be this big. Yeah, you know, there is no, yep. there is no clean stopping point. The first, the first book there was, because honestly, when I finished that book, I didn't expect there to be a second book. I Mm -hmm. thought, okay, I've told the story, I'm done. Even at the end of the first book, there's even a little epilogue saying, you know, the kind of what happened to everybody afterwards. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the second book, I I started to write something else and it just didn't, it, it wasn't quite working. There were a lot of problems. And then I thought, well, if I drop it into the Cassidy universe, and all the problems are solved. It solves all the- So it turned into another Cassidy book and so this one the second book kind of has an ending it 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 could stand alone. You could stop reading at the end of that one and there's enough of a resolution so that you'd say, "All right." Uh the third one is definitely not, yeah. It, it's definitely a to be continued, because there are just so many threads that I started going in that, mm-hmm. um, that it it couldn't. There is no place I could have stopped it anywhere, and it would still be incomplete. So I stopped it after a very dramatic moment. I stopped it after it. I resolved the dramatic moment. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not. You know, it's not like a TV cliffhanger where the door opens and somebody points a gun in and you don't know who's going to get shot.
0: Um, That's good because that just makes readers mad. It so, does. Good, good choice. Good choice. So, I resolved that.
1: Good. Um, but there are all these loose threads. Mm-hmm. So, now the fourth book, I'm pulling some of the threads together and making a pattern out of them so that people can see where it's going. But it's not going to be resolved. Uh, from that, uh, you know, I'm kind of taking after the Dave Weber books on the Harrington books, because mm-hmm. that is just this huge arc. You know, it's 20 books, and it tells, you know, each one is an episode, yes, but you know that there is stuff that's not done. There's stuff that still has to continue in the next one, because it's not resolved.
0: Makes sense to me. Sometimes you just got to do it. Yes. Um, if you could write in any world that wasn't your own, which world would that be? Ooh.
1: Hmm. So we're talking about some other writer's universe or some mm-hmm. other? Okay.
0: Yep. Any of uh, them. It could be TV, movies, writer, whatever you want.
1: I'm actually going to grab onto Heinlein's later works uh, because he introduced a concept of, what was it, multiple pantheistic solipsism, which is the world is myth. So every, every writer who writes powerfully and gets a big following, the Oz books, the Edgar Rice Burroughs Tarzan books, or the for uh, his John Carter of Mars books. Mm-hmm. Um, nowadays, you know the the Tom Clancy books and the Clive Cussler, Dirk Pitt books. Every time a writer creates one of these powerful universes, he's essentially writing it into reality. And somewhere out there, separated from this universe by A a geometric trick (laughs) is that universe in which we're their fiction.
0: I feel sorry for whoever's reading mine, it's pretty boring.
1: So uh, at the end of at the end of the cat who walks through walls was that the cat who walks through walls? No. Sorry. It was the end of To Sail Beyond the Sunset. He actually has characters from across the pantheon of science fiction because they've all been created. Interesting. And they've figured out a way to cross the boundaries of the universe. So if I, if I can be in one universe, I'd be in that one because that gives me access to all of them.
0: You can meet all your heroes.
1: Uh, you can listen to their stories <laughs>
0: that would be fun that would be fun, that's a very interesting answer I like that, let's see hey, Jenny says that's his fa- her favorite concept of his too yes that's nice you want to go see Tarbin, Jenny? are you sure? I mean, there it's in turmoil it's in a huge turmoil, Tarbin's my world lots of turmoil right now, I'm not sure it's a good idea, maybe wait until they get it all settled and then come and play with all the magic, it'll be more fun that's it. I personally wouldn't want to be in any of these fictional worlds. I like sitting on my couch eating popcorn and watching them. I think it's a lot safer that way.
1: Uh, she, she can go in Gay Deceiver. I'll go in Dora because Dora has a time twister in it too.
0: Nice. There you go. Yeah. Let's see. We have, um, Kevin wants to know what kind of research do you do to write women as the main characters in your books? Like Kevin says, he uses sensitivity readers and stuff like that. So just wondering, what do you do? Um, I don't I don't
1: particularly do research on that. Uh, for that I send it at that's when I send it to my beta readers because they can tell me, okay, that doesn't ring true. Or mm-hmm. oh yeah, you nailed that one. So I'm not doing any active research. You no. Know, I've done a lifetime of reading and watching and observing and learning um and so i'm drawing on that and so far from what my readers have said and with the you know, various reviews and instagramers and have said i seem to have gotten them God. kendra and cat Ka- and cass and ken seem to come off as real people and not caricatures so
0: Excellent. Oh, well, it makes sense. So the beta readers are kind of what you're using for sensitive sensitivity readers. It makes sense. Awesome. Ke- Kevin says he'd go into his own world as long as no one else knew he was there. Yeah, they might get on you if they knew you were the author, Kevin. You better watch it. <laughs> Let's see. So, where is your favorite place to write?
1: Um, right here. I've got you know, I've got my desk. I got my computer. It's all set up exactly the way I want it to be so I can write. Um, I've got music behind me that I can Pat's listen to. Cats following the door. Well, I can always stand up. And this particular one, when he was a kitten, he, and he was, when he was a kitten, he could fit in the palm of my hand. Oh, yes. When he was a little bit bigger than that, um, he was batting at the sink and we had an electric toothbrush plugged in and charging. He caught hold of the cord, and the toothbrush fell and bonked him on the head. Now, mind you, he was, you know, maybe this big. It's five years later, and he is incapable, psychologically, of jumping up on a sink.
0: Oh, poor baby.
1: Now, he can jump up on a chair, (laughs) <laughs> he can jump up, and he can jump over, and he can, you know, he's not physically uh, incapable of doing it. Like you said, like it's psychological. Thing, it's...
0: <laughs> oh.
1: He cannot jump up
0: on the sink. He's been scarred, poor thing. Yes.
1: Which is a problem for him, because he likes to drink from the tap.
0: That is a problem. I'm like, it's no big deal, though. He's a cat. Yeah, if he wants to drink up there, yeah, its it's kind of a problem.
1: So he'll come and meow at me, and he'll, he'll do the meerkat pose, you know, sit on his haunches. And he's a big cat. He's like a 20-pound cat. So, Holy moly. He'll, he'll sit there and he'll bat at my leg and wait for me to pick him up and carry him to the sink and turn the water on for him.
0: Well, if he's a 20-pound cat, you might not want him jumping on the sink. He might break something. <laughs>
1: Uh, it's possible, but not likely here. Uh, the, the house that we moved into in Colorado, they actually poured concrete. It, all the sinks are in poured concrete counters.
0: So I guess he's not going to break those. I think I think it's pretty safe. I th- yes. Let's see. We have um, Smashy wants to know um, the mis- music that you listen to while you're riding. What do you listen to?
1: Well, uh, I have a a couple years ago, I started making a playlist for my wife of songs that I know that she likes. And what I would do is I tried to get way ahead because every night before we went to bed, I'd have the AI play one for her. Um, So I've been doing that. And that has almost 600 songs in it. So I'll tell the AI just to shuffle that playlist and I'm all set. It's like 36 hours of music. And if I don't feel like listening to that, I will, um, I'll listen to 80s. I like,
0: so you like uh, stuff with lyrics. You'll, you'll listen to actual music with lyrics and stuff. Yes. Yes. Excellent. Very Cool. Well, that's actually our 20 questions. So for the last bit, I'd like to know, what are you promoting right now?
1: Right now? Um, so the third book, of which I don't have my author copies yet, is the one thing I, that they are so slow about.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The third book, which is, hey, it's up on the screen right now, Measure of Humanity. Just came out in December, and that's one I'm really excited about because, like I said, it it takes the story in another direction. It takes it, it examines some deeper concepts. The first book, you could say, was Cass growing up because she had to go from very sheltered to dealing with the world that wanted to kill her. Um, Mm -hmm. The second book is about Kendra growing up because she had to go from... Okay, she was taking care of a cast, and now she's got to take care of thousands of people. And she's got to deal with the fact that as the leader, and as the leader of a group that is in conflict with another group, mm-hmm. sometimes what she's going to tell these people is going to get them killed. And she's got to learn how to deal with that. Um, and then the third book gets beyond those you know, gets me on the personal growth and it's trying to force some growth on humanity, hence the title The Measure of Humanity.
0: Excellent. And for all of the new fans that you've made tonight, where can they find you?
1: So the best place to go is going to be the website. It's www.cassidychronicles.com I have a blog going up there with plenty of posts. I put snippets up there from the work in progress, and that's the only place they're gonna be able to see those. Uh, I have, I'm gonna have an author, I do author interviews with other sci-fi and genre authors. Nice.
0: Yeah. So how'd I do, how'd I do then? For the interview. How'd it it go? How'd it go?
1: It went great. Yay.
0: Awesome. So for everyone, please make sure to um, read Adam Gaffin's books and review them because that's the best thing you can do for your author friends. Absolutely. And please review this podcast wherever it is you get podcast or subscribe on the YouTube channel or follow us on Twitch. So thank you so much for coming and we will see you next time where we have Raymond Bolton as our guest.
1: Ooh, I'll have to tune in for that.
0: He's pretty awesome.